Hello and welcome to the Geeky Waffle. I am Hope Mullinax. I am one of the staff writers for the website, and I am very clearly not your regular host this week because we had a very special guest on this week, Mr. Matt Braley, who is the executive producer and creator of Disney's Amphibia. I sat down with Matt to have an interview with him, and it was so much fun, and Disney was so kind to reach out and set up the interview. He was super nice. He was so funny. And we talked about all sorts of things. We talked about his journey since his early Gravity Falls days to now his first show coming to an end. We discussed the finale a little bit. And we also had some fun with some fandoms in between and had a really great conversation about the importance of diversity, especially in all ages media. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. I had a blast. I could pick that man's mind for hours. So sit back, relax, enjoy the Geeky Waffle, everybody. It's the Geeky Waffle Podcast. I am here with the executive producer and creator of Amphibia, Mr. Matt Braley. Hey, how's it going? I'm, I'm going, so happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here too. Thank you so much for giving us some time today. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, my pleasure. I, I love your guys' reviews. I read them every week. It means a lot to me that you have analyzed the show and really dug in. And yeah, thank you. I don't want to know if any of my tinfoil hat theories are right, though, because I want to be surprised. <laughs> then no comment. Yo, okay, well, that's the end of this then. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Actually, um, I would love to open this by kind of taking a look back at the last several years of you as a creator. Um, coming up on June 15th is the 10th anniversary of Taurus Trapped, the first episode of Gravity Falls. And so how does it feel to you looking back from your early days of Gravity Falls through Big City Greens and now one of your first shows coming to an end? I mean, I'm sort of feeling all the things all at once right now, all the emotions, you know what I mean? Like the full the full spectrum of them. And it's so funny because like you mentioning Tourist Trapped, like it does put things in perspective. I didn't know it was the 10 year anniversary and now I feel very old. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when I got to Gravity Falls, I never really was interested in working in television. I oh, always wanted, yeah, I always wanted to get into movies because like, ah, oh, they're so magical and lights, you know, go off and everyone's in their, in their seat. And, um, and so really that's my, my character arc is that I love television now. And I think that it's a medium that can really do anything and tell any story. And the best part about television is that you can create many stories very quickly and they get to the screen relatively fast. So you can try lots of things. You can tell stories about lots of different characters in diverse situations and you learn and you grow from, from each of those experiences. By contrast, when you're working on a movie, it's like four years for one story, baby. You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and you hope to God that that script is good. But in my time, in my 10 years, my goodness, I've worked on dozens and dozens and dozens of scripts with dozens of characters in so many situations. And I really feel like, you know what I mean? I, I've learned and I've grown so much since then, but I'll never forget working on Gravity Falls. And I, I also loved working on Steven Universe and Big City Greens. All these shows have, have meant so much to me. Um, and those creators, uh, true legends, wonderful mm -hmm. to work with. I know you've also more recently worked on the Annie award-winning movie, The Mitchells vs. the Machines. 
Yeah, my experience with Mitchell's was a little bit like off the record. Full disclosure, I did storyboard work for the kind of pitch materials that was used to sell the movie. So it was very early on, but I was so happy to do it because even from the very beginning, the vision for Mitchell's was very specific and clear and hilarious. I remember um, I did a short scene of the two robots, like the goofy, the goofy ass <laughs> robots coming into the quickie mart. Deborah bot. <laughs> yeah. And like, I remember boarding them, drawing those goofy faces on themselves and like, I, I have to say that like the spirit of that movie, again, consistently across like it's, you know, X plus years of development. And that's such a testament to Mike Rianda and his vision. And, you know, I've worked with him too on Gravity yeah. Falls and he was, he was just so great to work with. So yeah, that was, that was great. I'm glad I got to do that. Oh, it was one of my favorite movies of last year. And I probably so watched good, man. So good. So good. Well, to bring us back to Gravity Falls, Gravity Falls, I'm doing great. To bring us back to Amphibia, um, you talked about making these dozens and dozens of scripts for these characters, but after so many episodes, what is your first, what is your favorite episode of the series and why? That's difficult for me to pick favorites because like I have <laughs> touched so many stories and I love them all. Well, what are some of your so favorite much. kids? Yeah, I can give you highlights. <laughs> Yeah. Totax, Totax from season one will always mean so much to me because it's the first episode where you can see Anne arcing. Mm -hmm. And that moment where she puts her foot down and she says enough is enough uh, to those tax collectors and stands up for these frogs who quite honestly were a little bit like mean to her in the mm -hmm. episode. It, it really touches me every time I watch it. And, you know, I, I also really love all our tentpole episodes. Reunion where, again, that line where Sprig... Uh, he he shoots the mud at Sasha and he says, well, his line is his line means so much to me. He says, like, for Anne's best friend, you, you sure don't know her very well. She's brave and she's kind and she's not going to get pushed around by someone like you. Like that stuff makes me tear up just like yeah. just thinking about it, because like those moments are really, you know, what the show is is all about. And so, like, I guess I'll just throw some others like I love Marcy at the gates. I love True Colors. I love Battle of the Bands. I love the new normal. I love Anne Sterminator because when Anne and her mom have that fight, it's just literally like my mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I love that episode. I love Escape to Amphibia for the same reason. When when mom brushes her tear away and says, like, you're not my little girl anymore, that just, like, makes me weep. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I just, I love our kind of finale. I love All In and Hardest Thing, and I think people are going to really enjoy them. <laughs> Not ready for those. I know, right? <laughs> I hope you know I have a whole like sentence on here that just says, I wanted to tell you I love your mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because I, I, I'm so trained from the 90s from like your mom jokes. Like I'm so like, <laughs> it's so baked into my my being and like so when We're from the says, same like, generation, so I understand yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I really appreciate that and I will tell her that and that will mean so much to her. I can't believe that she is a first-time voice actor. Like, she has given some of the most emotional moments of season three. Yeah, and it was really, it was a balance for me because, like, I I, I want to be a good son as well as, like, a good EP. And one of the things was, like, I, I just, I will not, like, bring my mom to two like tumultuous of an emotional place in the booth just because like I couldn't bring myself to because I'm oh. like her son and like 
You know what I mean? Like I, I never wanted to strain our relationship because it was something I was a little worried about. Cause it's like, Oh, is this going to be weird? Cause it's like, but she was such a professional and like, I just loved working with her and she really, you know, my mom is such a specific personality and that's why like I cast my mom is because she's very strict, but also very warm in her own way, but mm -hmm. she doesn't like, she doesn't emote wildly either. And that's like been my experience growing up with her. It was so funny because when we were walking to the booth at our very first record and she's got the script and she's studying it and she's walking next to me, she turns to me and she says, so am I a, a, a strict mom or a kind mom? And I just turned to her and I was like, oh, mom, you're both. And then I realized she was asking about the character. You know what I mean? Like, I thought she was just, I thought she was like, I was like, wow, we're having this really amazing soulful moment. I was like, ah, yes, the character, of course. I think that's actually one of my favorite parts of season three, actually, is watching Anne's parents uh, answer that call to adventure. And it's just, I, I love those kind of stories and why a fiction, especially an animation, just like the importance of adult figures and parents in these kinds of stories. Yes. So I love when, again, in Escape to Amphibia, when mom and dad are like, you can do this. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, we believe in you. And that's because we've seen that you're a different person now. You've come back from Amphibia, you know, and, and you're responsible and you're driven and we have faith in you. And I think that like, I've seen a lot of YA where the parents are just, they're always just kind of like, like either sticks in the mud or they're, or they're, they're there to kind of be uh, a force or of opposition. Or they're dumb. Cause I used to or be they're a dumb. I used to be a nanny and it used, those shows always made me so mad. Yes, exactly. So like, I wanted something different from the parents. I wanted them to be part of this grand adventure in, in their own way. And not to spoil anything, they have a very gratifying part to play in Aww. all in our in all in our our super long episode. So I, I look super, forward to it. Though I, I this is kind of just like a me thing. I have to know was the Earth arc. Did it get any inspiration from season one of Digimon? Yes, absolutely. Oh. There's I not just, it. yeah, oh. absolutely. Oh man, and that's like one of the best parts of Digimon. Like that's yeah, the, yeah where they go back. Oh, it's so good. Oh, like Matt, Matt and TK's parents like standing together oh. holding hands. Oh, it's so good. I I really feel like that first Digimon arc, and that ends with like Myotis Mon like showing up in in the yeah, city, right? and, and like, then and then Wizard Mon dies, and I cry still as a thirty four so year old good. woman. I I will say <laughs> I, I couldn't. I had like kind of flashbacks to Digimon. And I was like, okay, wait, my memory's a little hazy, but wasn't the prophecy for like their Digimon to shoot them? Mm -hmm. Do you remember? It was like, yep, yep, yeah, yeah. I yep, remember it was. being like, you just have to trust me. Like, like, like oh. we're Gurumon and 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 Agumon, like shoot <laughs> us. And I was like, whoa, this is a crazy, this is a crazy turn. <laughs> I am, I am ten years old and confused, but intrigued. Yeah, I was like sort of into it though. Yeah, I was like. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I I love that. But also, um, uh, Sonic X. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's it, mostly the first episode of Sonic X where they wake up, oh. or, or Sonic wakes up, and it's actually just really amazingly directed sequence where he's like surrounded by darkness, and the first thing he hears is this ambient kind of like car, but he doesn't know what it is. And then these lights come toward him, and he gets out of the way, and he's like, "Whoa, what was that?" And then like slowly but surely, we reveal that he's like 
on a freeway, like in our world. And I was just always so like touched uh, or, or inspired by that kind of like progression and how the information was doled out. So yeah, but I mean, there's, there's lots of kids anime that kind of went into a similar direction there, but like, yeah, Digimon and Sonic X hundred percent. I'm totally here for that. I'm, I, if, if somebody will let me, I will one day make a Sonic the Hedgehog podcast. If <laughs> <laughs> I have no one to talk Sonic with and it's sad. Hours. You could talk for just hours. Oh. We don't have time to get into all my feelings about Ken Penders today. <laughs> the last thing I, I want to know about the Boon Choi is, and I don't know if it's a spoiler. So if it is, that's totally cool. What are their first names? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so their first names, it's, it's really tricky because actually in, in, in Thai, we have, um, nicknames and we have, yeah, yeah. And we have full names. So like, it's, they actually both each have two names. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the dad's nickname is B. B B-E-A? B, yeah, uh, B-E-A is, is good. I would say B-E-E. B-E-E. Like, like literally a bumblebee because like okay. actually in, in Thai, we, we co-opt um, English words sometimes for uh, um, nicknames. Like I, one of my uh, um, uh, cousins, her name is um, Fern. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. P. Fern. And that's like sort of like, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of variety. Oh, I also, one of my cousins, her name is Appen, which is like, the Thai word for for apple and it's super cute. But like, yeah, we have we have all kinds of like nicknames and stuff. Actually, I have a nickname too, which is uh, um, new, um, which is literally the English word new, N-E-W. And that's because when I was a little baby, my nickname used to be Tot, like, which was which was 10. And then I got super sick. And in Thai, like, if a, if a baby gets sick, you're like, we got to change the we got to change the nickname because this, this, you know what I mean? We need like a fresh oh, interesting. start. Yeah. So like in order to kind of like deal with the idea that I got sick, we, we uh, renamed me new. And that's because it was like new, like a new start. Like it's literally new in English. So like, yeah, some, sometimes people call me new, like Nong new, which is mm-hmm. like, Nong is also how you say like, um, uh, younger kid, like a, like someone who's, who's younger than you. So I always get called Nong Nyu in, in, in Thailand. Um, and then the mom's name is Um. And that's like O-U-M. Okay. And so I, I think that's good. Just th- know their nicknames, B and Um. And, and uh, Um is uh, my, uh, one of my aunts. Her, her name is, is her nickname is, is Ba Um. And that's, you know, I also Savi Sa, which is um, Anne's middle name is one of my cousins too. So I'm just calling these names from, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are just family members. And so B is the dad and Um is, is the mom. And so there you go. That's, that's your inside knowledge. No, but this is actually like something that I I really wanted to talk to you about because um, looking back on just like us growing up in our generation, I know for me, like as a queer woman, my queer representation was Sailor Uranus and Neptune being so So great and finding out that like Toya and Yukito's relationship was just nuked out of card captors, you know? And so like, I look at your show, uh, not just your show, like, like Amphibia and, and, my mind just blanked Owl House and Steven Universe and She-Ra and like this like new wave of just these amazing animation animated shows. 
giving this next generation of kids this such diverse representation, not just for queer yeah. people, but also for BIPOC people as well. Yeah. What, how does that feel to have that kind of responsibility both in front of and behind the camera? So, you know, diversity in all its forms is something that our generation really wants and like mm -hmm. cares about and it's important to us. And so like anytime you see one of these pictures come, come out or one of these shows come out, there's a good chance that like, if it's, if it's, you know, if it's our generation that's calling the shots, it's a priority. And whether it comes from the crew or whether it comes from the showrunner, like you can bet your bottom dollar, it's going to be packed with diversity because it's a priority. And I think it only happens when it's, when it's a priority. It's, it probably is not going to happen if, if the person in charge is like, I feel kind of so-so about this. You know what I mean? Like, we could or we couldn't. I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to be like really into this. It needs to be important to you. So I think it's, it's really important. And, and it is something that like, you know, it's a responsibility. And I think that like, it's always surprising to me when stuff comes out now and it doesn't, you know what I mean? Cause I'm, it, it's, it's, yeah. it, it, it's, it stands out in a bad way to me when like something comes out and, and, and there's, it's surprisingly like, doesn't have any of that. Oh, I know. Star Wars is my first fandom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, cause it's like, exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's like, what's the big deal here? You know, like, what do you guys like? And I think that's good that we're at a place culturally and like, hats off to amazing shows like Steven and the Owl House that are really pioneering this stuff. Craig of the Creek, you know what I mean? They're, mm -hmm. they're doing a lot of it too, where it's just like, it was important to people. It's showing up in more and more shows. And it's good that when stuff comes out and doesn't have like diversity, it like makes you raise an eyebrow. Like, well, it's, it's not difficult to do. It shouldn't be difficult to do. And it should be a priority. So I guess mm -hmm. that's my, my thought on that there is like, you just want to make sure that you're you're doing it um, and that you're kind of like uh, doing it well and right and, you know, often and early. <laughs> so to kind of one of my favorite episodes recently was The Core and the King. Um, and I don't know if this is spoilers, but if it's cool, we'll move on. What was a normal day like for Andreas, Leaf and Beryl before everything fell apart? That is a great question. I feel like these three, you know what I mean? I'm in love with this kind of vision of a prince, a guard, and a gardener. You know what I mean? Like all oh, three yeah. of them, they live in this palace, but they have different jobs. So Beryl's a guard. Leaf is the gardener, but she's specifically the gardener for the Moss Men. You know what I mean? Which is, so she's a gardener and a warden, sort of. She's taking care of them. Oh, they're all chained up down there. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, and she's learning about them and really loves them. And you'll notice too, and this is so interesting to me because many fans have kind of like glommed onto this. They were like, oh, I, I was surprised that, that Leaf didn't have any moral objections to like the conquering and, and, the, and the invading. But it was really important for us to make it feel realistic that they're all part of this imperialist society. Yeah, you when know, you're raised in that society, you don't think to any differently. I feel like that's sort of like, and you'll see stories like that sometimes where it feels a little bit like someone from 2022 dropped into 1850. You know what I mean? Like, because they have that strong, like, and I, I totally get it. Cause like, we have a lot of period stuff that, that we are even still producing today. And you want to 
make sure that like these characters are <laughs> relatable and likable. But like, yeah, for me, it, it, it felt weird to think that this person who has participated and benefited from this like way of life would be suddenly like, I think this is wrong. You know what I mean? Because it just, <laughs> so what I love about Leaf is that she comes to it, you know, obviously by having that vision and realizing like, oh, what we're doing needs to stop. And she's really doing it for a love of her friends and of her own world that is like motivating her, you know? Um, but sorry, I got a little off track. I think, no, you're fine, I, think you're fine. I think what's really important about the three of them is they, they live in this ecosystem of the palace. You know what I mean? So I figure that Beryl is mostly on guard duty and doing guard stuff and that Leaf is mostly doing gardening and Mossman stuff and that Andreas is doing all his princely duties and dad is training him, you know, preparing him. And the three of them, they kind of sneak off and do mischief together. You know what I mean? Like they steal helmets and they switch portraits. I actually think a great example of how the three of them would behave together is in um, the sleepover episode. I was, you, yeah. I was thinking that in the back of my mind. I was like, do they have their own sleepover yeah, to end like, all sleepovers? Like, yeah, when the kids go ham in the palace and Lady Olivia's like, oh my God, I'm just trying to like keep this chaos under control. And you get a little bit of a uh, of it when Leaf steals the box and like she's playing keep away with like Beryl yeah. and Andreas. You want to feel like, oh, they're, they're, a little, they're a little bit fun and mischievous. And and doesn't even um, Beryl, he says like, hey, you want to go running around screaming at the, at the, the top, top of your lungs? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's important that even though they exist in this palace ecosystem, the three of them are like, you know, teens. Yeah. So kind of on a, a final note, um, I know you can't talk spoilers, but what emotion do you hope that the audience takes away from the finale? So... I have like kind of two parts to that uh, okay. um, question, which is, you know, this show has always been about something very specific, which is the ebb and flow of friendship. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you, you start together and you grow apart and you learn and you grow independently and you find each other again. And now you're all a little bit different. And what does that mean for the friendship moving forward? I think that the show has always been about that. You have these three girls who were very tight and then they get dropped into this medieval Lord of the Ringsy fantasy rigmarole, but they're separated, right? And so they have their individual adventures, and then they come back together, and they're all a little bit different. So that theme is throughout the show, and it's in the conclusion of the story, which is really the ebb and flow and the changes of friendship. You know what I mean? It's it's the the changing nature of friendship, really. So that's the first thing to look out for. The second thing to look out for is specifically with Anne. Anne has two character arcs, actually, and I'll I'll describe them right now. There's a broad, top-level character arc, which is about an irresponsible kid finding the best version of herself and, you know, getting some responsibility and taking care of these people around her and learning to do the right thing and finding her heart. That's the first story arc, which is a little bit obvious. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's surface level. Here's the second one. The second character arc for Anne is really about self-love and, and self-respect because you have this character who gets pushed around, you know, people walking all over her in the first season. She, she bends to Sasha's will. And that, that can only happen to me with someone who doesn't have the self-respect to stand up and do the right thing. And so in these final episodes, you will see that second arc 
kind of come to fruition. And that's a really important one for me because like this story, it is Anne's story and it's more than just about be responsible, do the right thing. But there is something we are trying to say about self-love here as well. I, I actually really felt that a lot in the, the last episode that I saw, which was fight or flight, which was Anne just being like, I don't care if anybody agrees with me. I'm doing this because I finally have confidence in myself to go after Domino 2 and nobody likes me. That's fine. I'll do it myself. And she hasn't really had that all season. And I just I really liked seeing her have that kind of like down dip as a character, but also starting to come back into her, her own with these support pieces in place. Yes. And that confidence comes from this idea of like, you know, I know who I want to be finally, and I'm ready to execute on that desire. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's really just like, this is a character who, and actually at the start of season, season three, you get this, which she's, she's going to take charge now. And she's really going to, she's not waiting anymore for people to tell her what she should do. Where even in season two, like it's a little bit nuanced, but the second Marcy comes on the scene, Anne's like, great, you, <laughs> you point us in the direction and we will execute and like, I'll look to you for guidance. And it's a, it's a, it's a subtle thing, but like, yeah, she's actually like once again, in a, in a way falling in line. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? She is yeah. looking to someone else to make these really important decisions. And I think at the end of True Colors, it's just her. It is just her now. I, yeah. Well, Matt, I know that we're out of time. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for reading the reviews. I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, and I am so excited and crushed to see how. <laughs> no, it's end. good. It's good. It's good. It's, I know, it's I know, but that was my comfort show. That's my comfort <laughs> yeah, show, Matt. Well, what am I going to watch? <laughs> I, yeah. No, there's so much great content out there. And I think there I really think for, is. For a story like Amphibia, Amphibia craves to end in a way. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It, it desires to kind of resolve. And I've always felt kind of a moral obligation to like, let these girls like have a rest. You know what I mean? They've been through yeah. so much. <laughs> we we don't appreciate things fully until they're gone. So Yeah. And and some of, yeah, exactly. Great, great point. And, and some of my favorite stories are because of the ending. So mm -hmm. I hope you guys enjoy it. Well, thank you so much for being with us today here on the Geeky Waffle. So, yeah, my pleasure. Take care. <laughs> you too.